This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Yes, indeed. Houdat Nation, welcome Inside Black and Gold, the final week of the regular season. And we are still talking about that chance to make the playoffs. The Dirty Birds come in to the Saints' house Sunday high noon. It'll be a kickoff in the Caesar Superdome. Jeff and I will be there bright and early for first take, uh, getting ready for a kickoff against a team that no Saints fan likes and should be at least an entertaining, uh, rowdy matchup I'm hoping for uh, in the finale, along with some decent football mixed in. We're going to talk a little about Mickey Loomis. Uh, We got to chat with him on the Saints Hour, uh, filling in for the voice of the Saints, Mike Haas, some interesting things he had to say. Also, a little bit of news for the black and gold. We have a pro bowler on the squad. Yes. You know what that is? It's the final countdown, baby. Yeah. Hopefully there is another week, but we've already talked about that. We've talked about that to death. If you don't know what what you need to see by now, um, you might not listen to this podcast regularly. Uh, But yeah, Saints still have a chance to make the playoffs. But, you know, we're going to talk about this as if it's the final game until it's not. Right. Uh, so, so we'll get into that, but yeah, we're also going to talk to Scott Kennedy. You can follow him on Twitter at scout Kennedy. He does a lot of senior bowl stuff. He has a Falcons podcast. He's going to give us some insight into what's been happening to the Falcons since we last saw them because it's gone badly. It's gone very badly. What's uh, interesting you know, too, he told us uh, his number one viewed video is about Trevor Penning. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and we don't have any viewed videos of Trevor. No, exactly. I was like, wow. Months. You know, uh, so, so that's going to be something footage. we'll get into that. And then the final segment, we're going to talk about red zone stats because the red zone was obviously a major factor in this last Falcons game. So I want to talk about what's happened in the red zone since then and why some of it has worked. Ask Derek Carr about it. Uh, so we will get into that and we'll pick some X factors as we always do. But yeah, as you, as you mentioned there, Rashid Shahid, you know, is the only pro bowler on the saints roster uh, this year, which is, disappointing and also kind of i think a telling of the state of the current roster in terms of like you go back four or five years you're talking about double digits at the pro bowl they could barely fit in the in the the group photo now rashid's going to be wandering around there alone now they could still get some alternates obviously um but you know that's it's the 16th consecutive year the saints have had someone at the pro bowl you know so long that they were still playing a pro bowl game uh back then um now it's a flag football game and a bunch of stuff which i think rashid's going to shine in because it's all about athleticism and just running around in shorts. And that's, you know, I don't think you're going to find anyone better, but good for him. You know, the saints, they find pro bowl return guys. They just do it. Deontay, Deontay Hardy, who was Harris at that point, pro bowler for as a return specialist. And I think the, I think the, they, they got it right this year because in a league where you don't return kicks anymore, like go back to that week 17 game and watch Jake Camarda just shank the ball out of bounds. Cause he just did not want to kick to Rashid. Uh, he did it multiple times, and then late in the game, they finally kicked to him, and he had a nice return. So good for him. You know, he's he's very deserving. I'm happy for him. You you know, we like to talk about snubs, obviously, a lot. I don't really think anyone deserved it on the offensive side of the ball, but, man, I, I was kind of disappointed to see Paulson Adebo get left off. Yeah, I think Adebo will end up being an alternate. I think he will end up being there, you know, unless the Saints make the Super Bowl, and then he won't be able to, right? <laughs> man, you got that good stuff this morning. Just- just kidding. Uh, but yeah, no, I think Adebo, you know, this is, it ends up being a reputation thing at a certain point. It ends up being a market thing at a certain point. Sauce Gardner sure. is, is not that good. Like, I, I think Adebo should have made it in over Sauce Gardner. Um, but everyone loves Sauce, you know? Uh, but no, he's had, he has had a Pro Bowl season regardless of whether it ends up being called, he ends up being called a Pro Bowler this year. Yeah. You know, Mario is, you know, he got it last year. So, you know, I guess he's happy now, but you know, and I think every year DeMario should be in strong consideration. Thomas Morstead didn't make it, which is weird. You'd think you would have made it because uh, he got all those votes. But I don't I, I don't really understand how the Pro Bowl works anymore. Um, but either way, good on Rashid. You know, you're we talking about a UDFA from last year. Didn't even get on the roster until week six. So that's a pretty big honor for him. Golf claps for Shahid for sure. And um, they're going to need him to show up, hopefully show up those Pro Bowl skills against the Falcons in the finale too. Yes, and speaking of a guy who was not getting golf claps, um, we're talking about GM Mickey Loomis. As you mentioned, we we talked to Mickey this week. We filled in for Mike Haas on the Saints Hour, and you know, I I got, I got a few responses that are that are just like, well, why weren't you meaner? Why didn't you ask him? You know, like I think people need to understand that program is is a little different than just sit down interview with somebody, and it's also not our show. So, you know, we do have to be a little respectful of like, I don't want to say anything that Haas is going to have to answer for next week when he comes back. Right, this isn't hard hitting news. It's called the Saints Hour. Yes. But but I do think we there was some interesting answers in that in that interview. And one of them, you know, I tweeted a handful of them. And the one that I knew when he said it was going to was going <laughs> to go ape shit. Right. Was people are going to go wild about it. You know, he talked about Derek Carr's season. He invoked the name of Drew Brees, the great Drew Brees. And. You know, it was it was something. But I do want to play that entire answer for you, um, so you get you get an understanding, and we'll talk about it. So uh, let's uh, let's do that right 
now. Fans and media, we really don't know what sometimes players are dealing with. And to see Derek Carr go out there, <laughs> the performance he had really had some nice throws, accurate, efficient, and even heard from Dennis Allen after the game talk about how that shoulder injury was something that might have been uh, something bothering him uh, that he's just able to work through, but didn't seem like it was an issue at all last game, obviously. Look, I think overall Derek's done some really good things this season. And, and if you if you look at some of the areas, you know, his rating, his efficiency, there's a lot of really good things that, that we've done. There's some things that he hasn't done well. And, you know, how he feels each week. Obviously, he had a shoulder injury you know, early in the season. And that there's no question that bothered him. We didn't handle pressure very well earlier in the season. And I think, you know, in the last four or five games in particular, you know, our offensive line and our protection has been better. So there's all these variables, all these elements that contribute to the quarterback play. And look, we all look at the quarterback and we look at the head coach, and that's where we want to point blame. And oftentimes you give credit and yet there's just so much more to it than that. But, you know, what you said is correct. Derek has had a great game against Tampa. It was really efficient. There were some still, there still was some meat left on the bone. You know, there's still opportunities that were to be had that might maybe would have put that game even further out of reach. And we've had a few things like that. I think this season has been a tale of we've had quarters and halves and parts of games where you can see what we can be, but it's hard to point to a lot of games and say from beginning to end, this is what we are. And that's not unusual. I mean, this is Derek's first year with us. And if, if we went back to 2006 and looked at uh, Breeze's first season or two with us, it, you wouldn't say, wow, that guy's going to the Hall of Fame after season one or season two. So, you know, sometimes it takes a while for us to be familiar with him, for him to have a real grasp of the offense in terms of, of, um, being reactive instead of thinking and then making a play and uh, getting on the same page with, you know, our staff, our coaches, as well as our players. Yeah, and I think that, that point is interesting. And I did want to ask you about that because you're looking at, you know, year one of DA and Derek Carr together. And as you're evaluating it, how important is it to kind of take a step back and, and avoid just trying to say, well, this is what it was in 2020 with, you know, year 15 of, of Sean or whatever it was with Drew and Sean versus, you know, this is a new regime and you have to kind of look at them independently of like, okay, where are we really? How have we improved? What needs to be fixed versus getting into that game of, oh, well, this is what Drew and Sean did. I would say that most of that process comes after the season. I don't like to make evaluations in season because, you know, you're dealing with the emotion of winning and losing each week. And you're dealing with the issues that come up on a, on a daily basis to prepare for the next game. But that'll, that'll be a process we go through. And I go through when the season's over, I've, you know, look, I, I certainly have a few thoughts and a few things that I, I think we need to have a discussion about, but that'll all come after the season's over. And hopefully the season won't be over af uh, after Sunday. Yeah. And, and you know, the funny, the funny thing about that, and we'll talk about the Drew Brees comment uh, at, at length here, but, the, my follow-up was I, I was trying to get him to kind of elaborate on the whole Drew Brees part of it all. <laughs> he did not take the he did not he did not take the rope and and uh, you know so we have to just talk about what he said there. Um, you know I tweeted that quote that the the part about you know year one with Drew in two thousand six and whatever. And uh, just for perspective, that tweet you know it's it's obviously gotten a lot of reaction. I think uh, currently it has you know one hundred and twenty eight quote tweets. And ten retweets. <laughs> so this is that's usually an indicator of how things are going in terms of 
in terms of their reaction. But, you know, I, I want to talk about the health thing, but we'll get into the Drew Brees part of it first. So the, the main part, the biggest part of the reaction is like, why would you ever want to compare Drew Brees in 2006 to Derek Carr in 2023? When you look back and you see Drew, like Drew Brees was the second in the MVP voting that year. Yeah. Um, the Saints went to the NFC Championship that year. It's like it's funny because it's an, it's the we always talk about 2018. No one ever really talks about the 2006 NFC Championship. Right. Like that was honestly one of the more impressive runs in terms of first year head coach, first year quarterback, and you know the way it went. Um, so I understand I understand why people why people are reacting to that the way they are. Um, what, what what was your kind of reaction when you kind of heard him say that? I yeah, I guess to me it was just obviously him trying to bring up the fact of, you know, things don't always start out great, but maybe look where they end up. But, yeah, when you try to put Drew Brees in the conversation, you're going to get killed, you know, trying to compare him with Derek Carr. I, I get that. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, you know, I guess it's to play devil's advocate to some extent. You know, you have to com- – like, he's the guy, right? Like, the, you're trying to – who are you, who else are you going to compare it to, right? So – in the sense that you don't really have an option is saying like, well, this is how the last one was. It's like, what are you going to go back to like Aaron Brooks or whatever? <laughs> like, no, you're going to have to kind of like, that has to be part of the discussion. And I think more so when you're looking at it, I, I think the, what you, what he should have said, you know, and is like, and I think what he was trying to say more so than saying like, I expect Derek Carr to become a hall of famer, which is kind of what it sounds like. Um, it's like, okay, sure. Like 2006 went the way it did. But that still wasn't the full form of Drew Brees. Like, you don't look at that season and say, this was peak Drew Brees. You look at it and say, wow, he came in and right away, he and Sean just clicked and, and you got it. I think it's more like, you know, the, the, how you kind of perceived that season should be kind of the same way of like, yes, like you, the, he, he defied expectations, but what were the expectations going into that season? Because they weren't going to the NFC Championship. And if For he sure. had come in and struggled, I don't think the team would have been like, no, we made a mistake, move on. And I think that's kind of, I think it's more just the, the reality around the offense. And, and one of the, way, the reason I followed up the way I did is because I think that is part of what makes the Derek Carr era so frustrating is you were hoping that, he would a come in and do what Drew did in 2006, and and b you you you're looking at you know that run from 2017 through 2020 and being like, well, why isn't this more like that? But I do think like you go back, you you should you you can't really compare those two things. Um, but even even that said, I do think it was kind of a you know one. <laughs> I had one person text me. I was like, Mickey needs to stop doing a radio show because <laughs> I this is like the third or fourth time all I've done. Like I I try to be fair. I'm just presenting the quotes. I don't even I don't even opine on Twitter in terms of right. you know whether I agree with what he said. Whatever. I just share the quotes. And this is the third or fourth time that all I've done is share a quote, and it's gone bananas in terms of the reaction. Um, and so yeah, it's it's funny, but but I I mean I think I I. I I understand where he was trying to go with that, but I do think it was a, it's, you gotta be careful when you're trying to, trying to sell people on, on the, the Drew, uh, the Drew Derek comparison to say the least. I, I will say, and I, I told you this, uh, you know, off, off the podcast before I'm like, I'm not defending Derek Carr. I'm not making any excuses, but I will say this season has not been ideal for him. But he's got a lot of factors with that. You have no run game, and the offensive line has is, is been a mess. So I'm definitely anxious for year two of Derek. But, you know, we've heard it from before from Mickey, too. Like, I can't worry about next year right now. There's still We're halfway through this season. 
<laughs> yeah, and I, and, and I think one of the reasons, like, I, I get called a car stand, and and it, it's not really that. You know, I think I've been pretty critical of Derek in a lot of instances. Yeah, it's just I think that you know you're bringing a quarterback, and it, it doesn't seem like it can't. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? Like you can look at it and be realistic about what the expectations should be and what happened. And but I do think you should give the guy a fair shot. Um, and I'm not sure that's that's happened in, in a lot of the discourse. And you know, and, and we can go from there. I don't think he's been as terrible as some people would like to say he has been, and I don't think he has been as good as some of the some of the apologists would say he has been. And I don't think he's been as good as you really want him to be um, for going sure. forward. But I do think in the last five games, you have seen him play much better. And you know, obviously, the Panthers game is kind of involved in that, so that that drags down the stats a little bit. But even with that game. You're talking about last five games, he's 109 of 148 passing, 73% completion percentage, 1,779 yards, which isn't a great number, but it also it does include that Panthers game where the, the passing yard was like 118. Right. So, you know, it's not, uh, you know, that kind of does drag it down a little bit. 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, and a, and a fumble, which was the one that, you know, the, that weird James Hurst uh, punched it out. And, um, you know, it's funny, they ran a similar play and he turns the other way. And I wonder if they adjusted that somewhat because they were like, well, we can't let this happen again. <laughs> but, you know, if you ask Dennis Allen and, and, and Mickey Loomis got to it there, they would point to the health and they would say, you know, he was battling through a shoulder injury. I think that affected him. I, I don't know how much truth there is to he would be playing better with if, if he didn't have the shoulder injury. But, you know, it's it's one of those things. And you met, you mentioned that we don't always know exactly what someone is going through. And to Derek's credit, he's not going to use that as an excuse. Um, he what he has been asked about it multiple times. He was asked about it this Wednesday when he did his uh, when he did his his media availability. And so this is uh, this is what he said on that front. Oh man, ah, maybe not without pain. Okay, like I know you guys are all dealing with stuff. But... No, I'm with you. It's just um, no matter how I answer that, you know, it would seem like an excuse for earlier sure. or something. You know, it's just tough, man. Uh, I will say I'm feeling better. Um, you know. You know, usually at this, we were just laughing, a couple of us, that, you know, at this end of the year, you're usually, you know, your body's going like this. And I felt like the last couple of weeks, my body's going like this. Yeah. And makes you realize, like, or wonder how bad was it really, you know. And so I, I am feeling better. Um, but we're also, everyone's also doing the right thing more often, you know. And yeah. there's a lot that goes into that. So, uh Ever since that Green Bay game, it's been a struggle. I've, I've, I've been honest about that. It's been a struggle for me physically. But uh, the last, I don't know, the weeks. But, you know, I, I have felt better. And hopefully that continues because, uh, you know, we're going to need it, especially against this team. Yeah, so just, just an aside here, one funny take that I've seen on, on YouTube a lot is like, wow, he's so uncomfortable. You can tell because he's constantly swaying from side to side. Well, it's cold um, out. Well, so it's it is funny, but he does do that generally. Like he, it drives me nuts because I look at these videos and I'm like, can you just stand still? Like you antsy, antsy man. But I do think it's funny because as we've gone later in the year, it seems to have gotten more pronounced. It's like, well, why is that? Well, the funny part is if you pan down, dude's out there in shorts. <laughs> and, I'm surprised just, he's not rocking the sleeveless look, but I guess because it is so cold yeah, out. He's 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 evolved to the point that he he puts a jacket on, but he still goes out there in shorts. And it's like, dude, it's like 40 degrees outside, <laughs> put pants on. Uh, but it is funny because it does seem like he's getting more and more like this as the season has gone on. 
And I think it's because he's cold. But I do think that's funny. It's like just an example of, you know, you're only getting part of the picture. You're not getting the whole picture. Because if you if you got the whole picture, you would see a guy standing out in 40 degrees in shorts. And it's like, well, yeah, you're stop doing that, dummy. Um, but anyway, you know, and, and I just think, you know, and you, as you look at it and you see, okay, this team has gotten the offense has seemed to be more productive um, as the season has gone on. Sure. Whether you attribute that to health, you attribute that to some changes, some schematic changes, some improvements on the offensive line in terms of this, the scheme and the plan. Um, I think if you had been getting the Derek Carr of the last five games more consistently um, over the first half of the season, some of this discourse might be different. Um, but at the same time, I wonder if it would be the same, you know, because I think a lot of people just quit on Derek Carr after after the first month of the season. And, you know, it's it's funny because it's just like you can do that and not, no one's going to stop you from doing that. But uh, I mean, you're going to have a really miserable next season if you've already decided that this is this is a mess and it's there's it's irredeemable. Um, but hey, you know, it is what it is. I just kind of see it as, you know, this is going to be a game that. I think it forms of a lot of, of your of your opinions on how this season goes. If he goes out there and and balls out against the Falcons and you go into the season with a lot of confidence, the the offseason with a lot of confidence or a playoff berth, right? I think that that could change some of the narratives. Um, but at the same time, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Uh, either way, I do think that the Mickey comment is interesting. The health stuff is interesting. But there's I but again, it was interesting. like Derek brought up the that Green Bay game afterwards that next week against Tampa. I felt like the Saints did a disservice putting Derek in that game. Yeah, and that's something that I will, uh, you know, I'll critique DA about, but I also will critique Derek because at a certain point you're right. too proud. You have to say I can't do it. Yeah, and and if the health was a factor, then like that's not an excuse. That's that's just an indictment on your decision making in terms of you know, are you giving your team the best chance to win by going out there and playing hurt? Because right. being too proud to miss a game isn't helpful. You know, and 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 I think that week four game more so than not, the concussion week. You know, I don't I don't see that as a major factor, but it was the shoulder injury right. that you know a you was bad to begin with, and then it got you you aggravated it again against the Lions, and you continued to just say, well, I'm playing through, and I'm not going to use it as an excuse. But if that's what's causing the offense to to bog down, and it's, it's causing you to play below the level that you think is 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 necessary to win at, that's on that's on you, right? Like that's. You can't go any further than that. And I'm glad to hear he's feeling better now. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, let's going forward, let, let's hit on one other quote from Mickey that, you know, I, I think, you know, if you go back this time last year, everyone was hating on Tyron Matthew. Or maybe not this time, maybe earlier in the season. Remember, no, everyone sure, right. was just murdering Tyron Matthew. Left and right. Yeah. And I mean, I always I thought that was weird at the time. And I, like, I don't think you hear that as much anymore. Right. You, I think people have come around to the idea that it's like, yeah, okay, this is 32-year-old Tyron Matthew or whatever he is. Well, what is his age? I, I'm not even sure. But you're still getting a very, very productive player. Um, and, you know, I asked Mickey about building the roster and that sort of thing, and this is what uh, this is what he had to say on that. I mean, one of the things after the game that, that I thought was interesting, Tyron said that he was asked to kind of stand up on Saturday and, and kind of rally the troops, if you will. The DBs really responded, he said, and in the game, I think you saw that play out. And so my, my question is, as you're building a roster, right, yeah. how important is it to you not only have youth, you want to have young guys, you want to have guys that are developing, but you also need the Tyron Matthews of the world, the Demario Davises, guys that have been there because I think at the end of a season, it's almost always the teams that have those kind of core leaders that seem to be playing their best football at the end of the year. So, I mean, how important do you kind of view that veteran leadership as you're, as you're building uh, these rosters every year? 
Yeah, I, I think it's huge. I do. I think that each year, you know, we end up with a Super Bowl winner, right? And I would say in the last, you know, 40 years that very seldom is the Super Bowl winner the team that has the best roster. It's the best team. And you have the best team when you have great player leadership. And when you have guys that, that uh, recognize veteran players that recognize what's important and can keep their team on that path, keep them focused and on that path, doing the right things when no one's looking, uh, preparing the right way each week. And it's just critical. I know, I know that in the best teams that we've had over the years, we had great veteran leadership. You know, in that, that 06 to 2012 run, it was Breeze and it was Vilma and Will Smith and Malcolm Jenkins and, and you know, a number of guys that I'm not even naming, Jabari Greer comes to mind. So we just had guys that, that ended what the goal was, what the focus is, and how to keep our team and their position group in line and, and focus to that goal. You know, I, and I, I think that's important to, to just kind of realize is because I think every year it's really tempting to be like, well, just go young. You know, you're bringing a bunch of young guys, let them play, let them develop. But, you know, you're going to look at this roster and you're going to say, well, why did they build it this way? Why did, why did they put so much emphasis on bringing in a guy like Tyron Matthew on keeping a guy like Demario Davis in, in such a big role in a Cam Jordan even, you know? And, and I think you look at it and you say, you know, the, you had some luxuries with Drew in terms of the entrenched leadership that was just understood with Drew for so long that you you probably could have gotten younger, right? You saw the offense be a lot of lesser known players. You didn't go with veterans as often at the at the wide receiver spots, at the tight end. At a, it, and, you know, I think that now that you've moved on from Drew, that becomes a, a much more difficult equation to kind of find the 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 result that is that you need. Right. And and that's why, you know, I think it's it's a much more complicated thing than just saying, well, we want to fix the salary cap. So you're going to move on from veteran A, veteran B and go to these young players, because, you know, I think having that veteran leadership next to a young player that you expect to be to be uh, develop into a pro bowler, or, you know, a, like a, an elite player down the line or even just a quality starter. You know, I, I think that's I think that's undervalued. And a guy like Tyron, that's one of the reasons that I looked at him last year and I'm like, I think you're overreacting to what you expected out of Tyron versus what you're getting out of Tyron, because what you're not seeing is everything behind the scenes and, and keeping this team all kind of rowing in the right direction. And, you know, like, like this is like that week 17 game, right? I I think it'd be easy to look at and say, well, this is a good team that played well. But I also think you look at it and you say like, this is a, that, that is a game where the leadership on the roster helped keep everything kind of glued right and keep everyone pointed in the right direction and that's why you saw the result you did um so i just thought that was a that was interesting and i think it's a point that should be remembered as you go forward and you're trying to figure out if you're trying to guess the some of the decision making that goes on right if you're trying to assume you know what they're going to do remember that that leadership is a huge part of it yeah, you mentioned that obviously some of the fans last year you're hearing getting loud about, you know, Tyron Matthew in in this defense. And it just it blew my mind too, just because how long, you know, people were clamoring for LSU players and they finally, you know, bring one in and now it's like, oh, of course, well, he's washed up now. Why do we even have him? I I, I agree though, too. I think that what Tyron brings to the locker room, 
immense for this team. Uh, uh, every guy on that defensive squad uh, looks for uh, up to him, young and old, because of what he's accomplished and, and yeah, the, way uh, he spe- the way he's able to speak and address the guys too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's, like I said, it's important. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that was that was a good answer. And you know, if you want you want more from that interview, you know, you talked about Zach Bond, Juwan Johnson, and Alante Taylor, a lot of that stuff. I thought the the Zach Bond question and answer was interesting, but that's probably something we can get into uh, as we go forward here because it's going to be interesting to see a if they bring him back and b if he draws interest uh, based on what you've seen in terms of a team that he fits better, right? Because he's an outside linebacker on a three, on a four. He's a three, four outside linebacker play who's played for on a four, three defense. Let's right. just be real. And a situational pass rusher is great to have, but how much can you afford to pay that guy? Right. And what helps for Zach is that he is an elite, you know, a core special teamer. And so you probably would be willing to pay a little bit more for that guy because you can pull from the special teams budget and the pass rush budget when you're trying to balance that uh, as the season goes on. But if I'm Zach, I'm like, okay, if I go somewhere else that, that has a scheme that fits me better, I could be a more, not even the money. I, I actually think it's more just if I'm a guy who's looking for an opportunity to be a three down linebacker or yeah. as an outside linebacker, you know, wouldn't a, you know, yeah, like the Panthers even, right? Like they run a three, four scheme or you need that guy on the outside who can be that rush. I don't know. But it's, that's what it was, right? Like the Saints drafted Zach Bond with the vision of converting him to an off-the-ball linebacker, it did not go the way they intended. You know, it, it just didn't, it never really materialized. And you, what you've been able to do this year is get him more involved in the pass rush. And my my criticism is that you didn't do that earlier uh, because I think anyone who's been paying attention to what Zach Bond did in college and what his skill set is can tell you, like, that wasn't working. What you're trying to do wasn't working. And a Sam linebacker is not really the value that you're looking for out of a third round draft pick. And like you saw, they, they gave that job to Nephi Sewell, right? Like who had played well, but it's like, that's kind of, you know, you don't need that premier player there. And so, you know, but I do think that as this kind of deep, the defense has kind of found a way to be more effective as the season has gone on. It has been in large part because Zach Vaughn has been an, a very big addition to that pass rush on third and in, in third and long situations. So, yeah, but it like, that's, if people ask like, why did it take so long? It's because they were trying something that didn't work. Yeah, I'm curious to see what kind of market he, you know, might have. Uh, certainly teams that were looking at him uh, for the draft and missed out on Bond uh, might come sniffing around again, considering I don't expect it to be a huge payday, not not even close to even like what a Caden Ellis got this offseason from Atlanta. No, no, but but the question isn't necessarily how big is the payday, it's how much, how is it within the, the framework of what the Saints would be willing to pay a guy who is a yeah. special teamer, in a situation of pass rusher. But he, but again, if he was only a special teamer, that would be one thing because you can get the kind of pass rush game out of him. Maybe that changes it. But all right, let's 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 wrap up that segment. Again, if you want that full interview, it's on WWL.com. You can find it on my Twitter account, at Jeff underscore Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. We're going to come back with Scott Kennedy at Scout Kennedy on Twitter. You can also find him on YouTube at youtube.com backslash Scott Kennedy. We're going to talk to him about the Falcons, why they suck, all that good stuff. I can assure you that Falcons fans are just as frustrated with their with their situation as Saints fans are. And, uh, you know, they're also calling for a head coach's head. And, you know, maybe the Saints can give them that reward that they so desperately would like, um, or at least seems like a lot of them. But, all right, this is going to wrap up this segment, Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. 
follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noah. You can follow Steve Geller at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. Who that? We will be right back.